Good morning. Let's make sure this is on. Good morning. Happy Easter. Christ is risen. This morning I'm going to uh, share with you from Mark's account of the gospel, the gospel of Mark, from Mark's account of the resurrection that is. So I'd like you to uh, follow along either in your Bibles or or maybe it's on the screen back here from the Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. Mark 16, 1 through 8. When the Sabbath had passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, When the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, and they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe. They were alarmed. He said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's bow in prayer together. Father in heaven, we, we praise you for the opportunity to gather pro, and proclaim the truth, that, uh, the truth for which we meet and celebrate, not only today, but every Sunday, and, and to um, just uh, hear your, your truth and your word proclaimed once again. We pray that you will open our eyes, enlighten our heart. And cause us to, um, to see a little bit more clearly the wonder and the purpose of Jesus rising from the dead for us. And to be able to celebrate it and to submit our lives to Him as the, as the only true King and Lord of life and all mankind and heaven and earth. So we pray that you will cause your spirit to... Work among us and work in our hearts and uh, bring us that same uh, joy and first rays of the sun breaking through the branches of the trees and and the birds breaking into songs and and hearing them uh, worry and wonder about who who would move that big round flat stone in front of the tomb and then watching their eyes open wide with surprise as they see that the stone has been moved and then seeing them enter that that cave and and gasping as they're confronted by that young man uh, dressed in a white robe, that angelic being, and then sensing their awe and their their excitement and their joy and their fear all, all rolled into one as they hear those words that changed their lives forever and changed history forever. Do not be alarmed. He 
has risen. He is not here. Suddenly, it began to dawn on them, their friend, their teacher, their master, their Lord, the one they, to whom they thought they had said their final goodbyes was alive, and there was no longer any need to prepare a dead body. There was no need to grieve. There was no need to fear anymore. Of course, those were the initial implications, and, but the implications of, of that empty tomb uh, go even deeper, don't they? Uh, that the resurrection, uh, for one thing, uh, the resurrection affirms the identity of Jesus. Because this man rose, everything Jesus said about himself is true. Everything about his identity that he claimed was, is true. And that's confirmed by the, the resurrection. As Paul said in Romans 1 verse 4. He was declared with power to be the son of God. By his resurrection from the dead. Or as Thomas put it. When he saw the evidence and the, the nail prints and the spear wound. My Lord and my God. So these words, this truth, he has risen, means that Jesus truly was God in the flesh. He was the promised king. He is the Lord of heaven and earth, the Lord of life and death, the authority over all things. The resurrection affirms his identity, and that's a great implication for all of us. But not only that, it, it explains the cross and it exalts the cross of Jesus. Uh, those, those people alive when Jesus was crucified, they saw, and so do we, the cross as an instrument of torture and murder, uh, humiliating, hideous, horrible way to die. The crucifixion, it was a devilish act. It was the most shameful act in history. I mentioned we moved a couple of times, and you know, as any Anyone who moves, you discover things you, you had, you had forgotten about. I ran across an old, an old issue of a magazine. I believe it was produced by Life, but it was, back, it was from the 60s. And uh, it was all about, the, the whole issue was about the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. And, um, you know, some of us still remember uh, where we were when that happened. Um, uh, but it was entitled... Four dark days in history. And unfortunately, there have been many dark days since then. But that day of the cross, on that terrible instrument of execution, uh, that was the darkest of all. However, because of the resurrection, dark Friday became good Friday. The tree of death became a tree of life. The wooden crossbeams of, of execution became... Um, God's arms of love extending to us to embrace us and forgive us and reconcile us to him. So the resurrection not only affirms who Jesus was, it, it explains the cross. It tells us that the cross was where the Son of God willingly suffered for our sins. And therefore, we don't have to suffer for them. I think another important implication of these words, he is not here, he has risen, is that they authorize the teachings. They give authority to all the teachings of Jesus. 
everything he said, every word he spoke about the kingdom of God, about uh, repenting for sin, about being born again, about forgiveness, about faith, about loving one another, serving one another, laying down our lives for one another, prayer, eternal life, everything he taught is not just some man-made philosophy. Uh, they are the words of God himself. They are the, the manifesto of the king. They're all true, and so we dare not ignore them. So the truth of these words, those, those, um, those women visitors first heard, imply so much, they change everything. I can only think of one time I, I called into a radio, uh, radio talk show. It was a long time ago. It was early in our marriage. Um, we were living in a small one-room, uh, one-bedroom apartment, outside of Seattle, and um, my, I believe my in-laws had come for Easter weekend. They had driven down from Canada, and uh, my wife and I were sleeping that evening before Easter Sunday uh, on the floor in the living room. My head was right beside the stereo, and uh, I, cu I couldn't sleep that night very well. So I, I took the headphones down, those big clunky things, you know, before we had those nice little earphones. Um, and, and listened for a while to a radio talk show in the middle of the night. And the question of the night was, what does Easter mean to you? Um, and I remember people calling in talking about, uh, you know, new life and spring and, and flowers and jelly beans and chocolate rabbits and family gatherings and all these things. And, and uh, I, the longer I listened, the more compelled I felt to to call in. So I called in and I, I told them what Easter meant to me. That Jesus rose from the dead. And of course the, the, uh, the talk show host uh, challenged me. How do you know this? How do you know that's true? And I, I tried to explain about all the eyewitnesses. And the, the examinations of scholars and history. And the impact on our world and so on. Not sure I convinced anyone. But, but uh, it was interesting. After I hung up and my heart was thumping. I don't think I still slept much after that. But. But um, I, I listened for a while, and it, the whole course of the, the conversation on the radio changed. Uh, from that point on, it was all about Christianity and Christ. And that's a little illustration, I think, of how the resurrection really does change things. Not only our conversation, but it changes our lives. It changes everything. Uh, you and I would not be here this morning. If it had not been for those words, he is not here. He has risen. Uh, we'd, be, we'd be making our own gods. We'd be concocting our own religion, uh, as many have done and still do. We'd be building our own kingdoms rather than the kingdom of God. But because of those words, life is new, life is different. He is here and our whole uh, set of priorities have changed. But it's those next five words I'd like to zero in on this morning especially. Because I think they bring it home very personally. When the angel said to the women, go tell his disciples. And Peter. And Peter. Go tell his disciples. When did we last see the disciples? Well, they're outside the city in a grove of olive trees at night, shaking in their sandals as, 
as one of them had, had led a group of religious leaders and temple police with torches and clubs and swords out to that garden where Jesus and his men had been praying. And he identified Jesus with a kiss so they knew which one to seize. And what did those other 11 disciples do? They, they panicked, fled for their lives, ran into the darkness like scared rabbits. I, I often like to say they were the, they were the original Easter bunnies. Um, everyone lost their courage, including one of them who was dressed in a linen robe. Mark talks about him. Dressed in a fine linen garment and he ran away losing that garment when he was grabbed and ran away without any clothes. Everyone lost their courage and ran away in a humiliating fashion. And what is Jesus' message to these men who had lost their nerve, who had uh, scattered like sheep after all their promises of loyalty to the shepherd? What did he say to them through this angel? Go tell his disciples. Tell them, these men who had failed him, tell them, I am alive and I want you to know that and I want to meet with you in Galilee. He, and in fact, Matthew's gospel says, go tell my brothers. He still considered them his brothers, his friends, and he wanted to be with them. Tell my disciples. And then he says, and Peter. And Peter, go tell Peter. When did we last see Peter? Oh, just to refresh your memory, I would like to read Mark 14, beginning at verse 66. I think we all know the story, but here's how it went. Mark 14, 66, and as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out to the, into the gateway, where, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. Peter, who had singled himself out, you may remember at the Last Supper, remember when he said, and you could find this in Mark 14 as well, he, when he said, even though all of these fall away, Lord, I will not. And then Jesus had said, you'll deny me three times. Peter said, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. He had singled himself out as, as the most loyal, the most devoted of the group. But while Jesus was being tried inside, tried illegally, false charges brought against him, false witnesses, being spit upon, beaten. Outside, Peter was being recognized and then denying that he even knew Jesus. All those pledges of his loyalty fell apart. And the cock crowed and the man, 
man that Jesus had nicknamed Peter, the rock, crumbled, crumbled into dust. He broke down and wept over his failure. Peter had singled himself out as the most loyal of Jesus' friends. And now through the angel, Jesus singles out Peter and says, tell him, tell Peter. Peter the denier, the defector, the one who failed Jesus, probably feeling like the rottenest person on earth. Tell Peter. He doesn't say tell Simon. He says he uses the name Peter, the rock. Still calls him the rock. Tell Peter, I'm alive and I will see him and the rest in Galilee. It's as though Jesus is saying to Peter, it's not over, Peter. You can't give up and go home. It's not, it's not a baseball game, you know, three strikes and you're out. You're still one of mine. You're still on the team. You're still the rock upon whose confession I will build my church. Yes, you deserted me, I, but I have not deserted you. I still love you. I have forgiven you and I have plans for you. It's interesting, most scholars believe that Mark's gospel um, that Mark got a lot of his information from Peter. Peter did not, obviously, Peter did not keep this embarrassing story of failure out of the book. Even though he knew the story would be told over and over. Because it's not just a story of failure, is it? It's a story about the steadfast love and grace of God. It's a story about second chances. I know sometimes we feel very strong in the faith. Uh, we feel confident like Peter. We've been perhaps walking with Jesus a good, good time, a good while. Been faithfully taking part in, in his church and, and serving and giving and praying. And we've grown spiritual muscles. But inevitably, uh, there are going to be those times when we let him down. Maybe we don't deny him, but we act more out of self-interest than his interest. Our loyalty takes, takes a, a plunge. We give in to our wants and our desires instead of seeking his will and his kingdom. And we know we've failed him. Perhaps sometimes we can't even stand to look in the mirror at ourselves because we're so ashamed. Good news this morning is that the resurrection is for people just like that, just like you and me. Not perfect people who have it all together, who, um, who never, quote, never fail, but for broken, sinful people. The resurrection says don't lose hope. Don't write yourself out because, or don't write yourself off because Christ Jesus has not written you off. He's alive, he forgives sinners, and he gives fresh starts, and that is such Good news, isn't it? Uh, we, um, we love comeback stories. You know, Tiger Woods came back just recently after losing 14 years of tournaments and, and have, after personal failures, winning the Masters. It's always fun to hear those comeback stories. Well, this is better than any comeback story. I read a story about a little boy who um, had been very naughty, his mother punished him. Uh, he was afraid afterwards that his mother was still angry at him. So in the kitchen, 
uh, was a chalkboard where the family wrote notes to each other, sometimes phone messages. Um, And when no one was around, he wrote on that chalkboard, Dear Mom, if you forgive me, please wipe this out. So he went to his room, and about an hour later, he, he came back, and to his surprise and to his joy, that board had been completely erased. Well, that's the good news of Easter, isn't it? Christ died and rose that you and I might have a clean slate, a fresh start. And where that angel said, tell the disciples, tell Peter, I bet you and I could put our names. Tell, tell Bob, tell, tell Emily, tell, tell Lauren, tell Tim, tell, tell Randy, tell, tell uh, Sally, whatever your name is. You could put your name there. I'm alive. I'm for, you're forgiven, and we have, we have work to do. And I have a plan for you. You may be like Peter. You may not know, or you may know Christ as your Savior, but you're discovering you're a real mix sometimes of strength and weakness, success and failure. And lately, perhaps, it's been more, more weakness. You're not the rock you thought you were. You're not sure he still wants you on his team. Bring those failures to him. There's still room. There is always room at the cross and the empty tomb where Jesus says, tell him, tell her the good news. I'm alive and I'm alive for them. Now, you may not know Christ. You may have never received him. You may have never come to him and confessed your need and your sin. If you never have, can I just urge you? I don't know you, and and perhaps there is somebody here today who's never said, I I repent of my sin. I put my trust in Christ. I need him. I need his forgiveness. Let me just assure you, his death was for your sins. His resurrection is to give you new life, a second chance. So call out to him. Tell him you need his forgiveness. You need your sins wiped out. You need a fresh start. Do that. Do that before you leave here today. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I pray that uh, we might see that your arms are still extended toward us. And you call us to trust you, to receive you, and to um, open our hearts to you, and just to let you come in and take over and and, uh, wash us clean. I pray that anyone here who may need to do that this morning will will do so right now. We'll just tell you how much they need you. We'll put all their trust in Jesus Christ, the one and the only hope, the one and the only true King. And that you'll help us all, Lord, to follow you. To to follow you confidently, knowing that uh, you have all authority in heaven and on earth. And that includes authority over our lives. Authority to, to bring good out of bad. To bring fruit where we've even failed you. Authority to use us in great ways as we submit to you. We trust you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.